Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're on the airwaves with Navier Commander Vice Admiral Dean Peters to learn more about his command priorities, which are mission, people, and relationships. Sir, in your first podcast, you talked about how people are fundamental to mission success. What can we do to create a workplace environment that enables our people to be successful? Well, thank you for that question. Like you said, people are incredibly important. In fact, we can't do our mission without our people. And it starts with the workplace environment. So you said, you know, what do we do for that environment? All of our employees deserve a workplace environment that's clean, safe, and free of discrimination in any form, or harassment for that matter. And if we can provide that to our workforce, I think that they will be productive. You mentioned safety. Why is this so important? And what are some of the ways NAVAIR and the commands can increase workplace safety? Well, uh, as I mentioned in question one, everybody deserves a safe place to work. That's especially important for our industrial sites. A lot of people don't think about, you know, NAVAIR being an industrial command, but we have a lot of test capability here. We have a lot of prototyping facilities and we have our fleet readiness centers all that operate in industrial environments. Also, our folks up at Lakehurst, they spend a lot of time working on shipboard equipment and doing ship inspections in an industrial environment. I want to tell you just a, a quick story. The, I'm not, not sure if you've heard this about Paul O'Neill. He was the CEO of Alcoa. This was in 1987. And uh, his first speech as the CEO, he said, I want to talk to you all about worker safety. And everybody said, you know, this guy's crazy. We better sell our stock. Our safety levels are already, you know, about average with the American public. And even though we work with metals that are 1,500 degrees, we have machines that can rip your arm off. He said, look, we're going to focus on worker safety. That's going to be my singular metric that I'm involved with. And in that time, uh, you know, they, they went from a, a place where they were losing about two work days per hundred workers due to injury to 0.2 days. And that was just in, in the course of about two or three years. Uh, it eventually went down to, you know, less than 0.2, about 0.125 lost work days per hundred workers. And in that time, when he left in around 2012, they had more than five times the annual revenue for Alcoa. So it wasn't just about uh, safety, it was about that keystone metric, that, that one thing that you focus on, and it, it was how they went about it. From a safety standpoint, they said, whenever there's an injury, we're gonna make sure that everyone is aware of it. There's gonna be a call tree. Within 24 hours, our leadership is gonna know what happened. Then we're gonna put a surge team on it to make sure that it doesn't happen again, and then we're gonna get the word out to everybody. And what they created really was a high-velocity learning environment. And that's what made the difference. It made the difference from a safety standpoint, and it made a difference from a productivity standpoint. And the results speak for themselves. So that's a really great story and, and a good example on the importance of safety and how it equates to results. Now, moving on, so we've, we've seen an increased focus on hiring across the command, especially entry-level employees. How do we improve our ability to compete for talent in today's market? And what are we doing to ensure our new people are prepared to hit the ground running? 
That's a good question, and uh, one that I've thought a lot about. And uh, we've we've looked at all of our workforce metrics to understand the demographics of our workforce, uh, to understand why people stay, to under understand why people leave. I think it starts with providing that environment that we talked about, first of all. That's, that's first and foremost, a safe, clean environment that's free of discrimination and harassment. We need to give our employees the, the tools that they need to do their job and the training. And then there's, there's that subtle aspect of how we want to you know, attract you know, the, the best workers, and that is we need to empower our people. So we need to provide approval authority at the lowest level really take advantage of the skill sets that uh, our workers bring to the workplace every day. And then we have that, that other aspect that I think is always going to be there and we just need to make sure that everyone remains aware of it and keeps this in focus and that's our mission. So we have that advantage over Google and Amazon and all the other places that uh, might attract talent. You know, we actually have a very important mission in support of the national defense of our country. So Navair values diversity and inclusion. What does inclusion mean to you and why is it so important to mission success? Well, I mean, in inclusion, you have to think about it in this standpoint. I think we've, what we've discovered through science is that all of us are genetically wired to be suspicious of those that aren't like ourselves, whether it's race, creed, color, sexual orientation, anything that makes us different. But through education and awareness, we can overcome this and, and, and it's starting to make a difference and we're starting to see the, the impact of it. We need everyone's best effort and we can't do that unless every, like, everyone feels like they're part of the team. Now another important element of maintaining a productive and supportive work environment is sexual assault prevention and response. What are your expectations for the workforce in this area? Well, I like what we're doing on our active duty forces and that is no bystanders. So first of all, I mean, don't do it. But secondly, don't tolerate it from others either. And, and that's the key thing. I mean, these things usually don't happen in isolated situations. There's other folks that are usually aware that something's going on. You just have to have the courage to, to step forward and say, no, that's not gonna happen around here. So in our previous podcast, we heard you mention the importance of communication and relationships to mission success. Any tips on how we can work to improve our relationships inside the organization? I'm committed to spending at least 25% of my time on communications and relationships. I think that's an incredibly important part of our business. Within the organization, I think the tips that I would, would give are, are, first of all, just assume goodwill. You know, that's such an important part of, of our job. Everyone is, is trying to do a good job you know, with whatever they're working on. The second piece is just responsiveness. This kind of is within our organization and outside of our organization also. We need to be quick to respond when, when people need help. And they will turn that around when we're in that same situation. So those are the tips that I would, would give. One of the things we've, we've seen is that, you know, our best work is done on teams. And even with the data challenge, we saw that, you know, those were self-forming teams that come together and they did some amazing work out of that. But that leads to the, the teaming part of this, which is how we do our work. It all needs to be focused on a program outcome, a product. So 
We don't want to pull into our corners associated with commands and competencies and programs. We're all part of a larger team and we're made up of teams and we need to keep focus on, on what the Warfighter product is coming out of that. For the external aspect of it, communication is just so important. We work with so many different organizations. We're integrally related with many organizations. We're all competing for resources. We have many bosses. We need to keep people informed. One example of that I'll, I'll share was uh, when I was program manager for presidential helicopters. We had four ongoing audits from the GAO, so the Government Accountability Office. And that process is very complicated within the Office of the Secretary of Defense. You know, you have to set up a very standardized procedure for communicating with the GAO. And uh, I finally went to OSD and said, hey, th this is just not going to work for us. You know, we, we have four ongoing audits. They're all very critical to the success of the program. I want some flexibility in how I communicate with GAO. And, and they, they said, okay, we'll, we'll try it. Just keep us informed. And we brought GAO in. We gave them an office. We gave them a phone, a place where they could put their computers up. We said, anytime you want to come by, just come on by, ask any questions, sit in on any meeting that you're interested in. And we just went to full transparency. And uh, the result was that, you know, with a greater insight, they were ready to provide positive reports on how the program was doing. In the absence of that information, they're generally going to assume the worst, just like all of us do. So that transparency piece, I think, is very important as we, as we go through our programs uh, towards mission success. So speaking of those external relationships, talk to me about how we can nurture our relationship with industry and the value of doing so. That's probably our most critical relationship right now is improving our relationships with industry. We are absolutely dependent on industry to deliver products, to deliver aircraft, to deliver software, to deliver weapon systems and capability. In going through the procurement process, you know, sometimes we almost get into this very legalistic approach to doing business. And it, it hinders our ability to actually respond to fleet needs. And so that's an area that, that we really have to work on uh, is setting expectations up front and then working towards those expectations throughout our, our relationships uh, with industry, being very forthright about what our expectations are for data rights, not asking for intellectual property that they own, but those things that are, have been developed as part of our programs. We need to work with them on quality, the quality of our products that are delivered, and make sure that the expectations are set there and the folks that help us deliver those products so that's just an incredibly important relationship that, that I think we need a little bit of work on. Sir, we appreciate you joining us today. You gave valuable insight into what we can do as a workforce to ensure mission success. That's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thank you for listening.